0: Hey, podcast. Hey, Tain. I wanted to tell you about I Digress, which is hosted by Troy Sandage and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. It's got shows under 30 minutes and it helps to eliminate complexity, complications, and confusion in your business uh, through a series of frameworks and strategies. Um, he talks all about scalable and sustainable success. He hits on things like marketing, sales, customer success, and more. So go check out I digress, and listen to I digress wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back. Another episode of Gangaroo We're here on a Wednesday morning, rainy, rainy Wednesday in Charleston. How is it up in uh, New York? We're about to
1: get some flurries. Oh, won't be our first for the season, but I, and it won't stick because yesterday was warm, but flurries nonetheless.
0: We have uh, something to look forward to for next week. Jay and I will be in in uh, the big city, the Big Apple. Uh, from Monday to Wednesday. So we, us, <clears throat> us lovely Charleston, you know, Southern boys will get a nice glimpse of some New York winter.
1: Well, it's, it, you know, it's more than that, right? New York in December is magical, right? Like we are the holiday city. So I don't know. I don't think there's a better place to be in the month of December, cold, warm, whatever. It doesn't matter Weather agnostic, it's just like, you guys are coming at the best time.
0: I'm I'm excited because I'm excited. I I I'm literally envisioning how Christy is going to like shepherd us all around New York. She's gonna she's gonna be at the airport with one of those signs that says I'm not. like, like all Jeff, those things that you're like, imagining aren't
1: gonna happen, Jeff. And so you're I right. don't want to disappoint you the day of. So let me disappoint you right now and let you know that I'm not gonna be there with a the sign, but I literally I literally will wear bells when I see you guys at the event. <laughs> all
0: right, been. I'll pick up. I gotta I gotta find some. You know, I got, I got, I got to find some holiday gear. It,
1: uh,
2: are we making it an ugly sweater event?
1: Oh, gosh, no. I don't want to be ugly. <laughs> oh, okay. Well,
2: you said bells. I was like, does she have like an ugly sweater event? Like, like, you...
1: like David Yeerman makes bells, I'm sure, right? Did yeah. you
0: hear, <laughs> did you hear Christy, by the way? She goes, oh, no, I don't want to be ugly.
2: <laughs> ugly sweater. You're not ugly, of course. It was a
1: joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. We All do right, our uh... ugly sweater party. Um, we do a happy birthday, Jesus, boozy brunch. Uh, for the holidays at our house, and so we celebrate Jesus by celebrating his birthday and we all wear our ugly sweaters.
0: Man, I like it. All right, well, um, let's jump into some stuff we've been researching and uh, looking into. and the the first thing, I actually had this in here. I think Christy, you and I were actually going back and forth on this um, where we, we had this in here, but Catalyst just released a survey compensation or a compensation survey. Excuse me. Uh, the results of it that they just put out, um, and so I was I was trying to thumb through a bunch of this and find some stuff. Um, and Christy, I know you had a couple of points that you maybe first noticed. So what what kind of stood out for you uh, as you looked at some of this this data?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing is uh, I I woke up this morning was tagged in a post about some of the findings. And so I didn't have a chance to get to the report yet. I did head over to the site to download it because I'm super interested in seeing all the interesting data points there. But the stat that was shared with me was about men and women and how men are still out earning women. Um, But I think one of the pieces that were missing for me and kind of what I'd like want to unpack is, was this survey, does anyone know, is this just the US, is this global? Because I feel like all those factors play a part in what what that makeup would look like, right? If it's, we had more women globally filling this out it could be pulling that average down, so I just I, I don't know some of the details that were powering that, and so those were some of the questions that I had in the LinkedIn post that I was tagged in. Right? Is this is this just U.S.? Is it a base or is it on-target earnings? Right? Is it your total package with OTE? Um, did we look at variable compensation, bonus structures? Do we talk about equity? I just feel like compensation isn't just so black and white right? Especially if you're working in a, in a SaaS organization where likely there's a lot of different variable components. If you've got 401k, if you've got 401k matching, if you've got benefit, like, I don't know. I think the makeup of a package looks a little different. And so I'm inclined to think about it in its totality and not just base. And so I just had some questions about that.
0: Yeah. Sorry. I was trying to, you guys are probably getting sick over there because I'm sharing this and then I'm like jumping through a bunch of slides. So, um, trying to find some of the answers to your questions at least quickly that we can talk through so i think from what i've gathered um i don't see where it lists out if there's any geographies specifically so um but it did i mean some of the early things that um i noticed is that it's looking at you know it does have 50 or 63 percent who answered this survey uh, identify themselves or their gender as female um and then the thing that I thought was interesting too, and just in this early part is that they, they got roughly about 42% of this have five years or more of experience. Um, so they're getting, you know, like you said, a large representation of women. Um, I think they're getting lar- a large representation of folks who've been in the industry for, I mean, 42%, almost half the survey has been in the industry five years or longer. Um, so there are getting some, um, some big pieces here. The, the part that you mentioned about um, they do talk about different variable compensation structures, you know, so they do have fixed versus variable um, and trying to understand like what part of your compensation is variable versus what part is um, fixed. And then they break that down by position. So if you get down to some of the customer success manager roles, it looks like a majority of those have about a 20% variable comp. Um, a technical account manager has about a, variable comp, uh, sorry, a 20% variable part to their compensation. So 53% of the respondents have a 20%, uh, part to their variable compensation. It gets very confusing when you're talking about data through a podcast. But, um, I think, I mean, in totality, I mean, I think these types of things are, are good, right? They help us in the industry. They help us calibrate. They help people get data to their fingertips, and I think it goes back to what you're talking about just before we actually hop on the podcast, Christy, which is that, you know, as you um, mature and get along in your career, you start to realize that you're making decisions for yourself and your family, and you need to be thinking about that. And there's always, you know, what you need to be bringing to the table is not just the activities you're doing for the business, but, um, you know, where do you sit in the market and how do you do that? You bring data to the table. So th- these types of things can help do that. Um, I think on the flip side, the thing that, you know, is always challenging is that when you send out surveys like this, like you said, Christy, there are so many variables, factors. There's so many if, ands or buts or challenges that then, you know, it can create some gray area where you're like ask you know, you might bring in some piece of data and then it's like, okay, well now I've got 17 questions about the data behind that. And like, you know, the business that you work for can't necessarily be making decisions based on that data. So there's always kind of a plus or minus, but Jay, what do you think?
2: I, I would I would never, like, if I was in a CSM role or any of the roles here, which I actually am in one, talk about C-suite stuff, but I would never take this in and, and you know, to my boss and say, hey, like, this is the industry report, here's what it says. I mean, I would use it to maybe put together a narrative around the value that I'm adding to the organization and then maybe benchmarking that against others in the industry just as a data point, but I would never, like, slide this across the table. <laughs>
1: If somebody hey, did that, boss, video, I wouldn't look.
2: have very well to it. I because I, I would do exactly what you just said, Jeff, which is picking apart. Not, not that I'm trying to, not that I'm trying to. You know, we're very interested in giving people a, a you know, a fair comp, and, and I know all companies are like looking at that right now. And um, but I think you got to be careful. The, the big question that I have around this, I mean, you talk about U.S. versus versus you know, international for us, but think about just the variability within the U S it's much different phenomenon to be living in San Francisco or New York city and being a customer success manager than it is to be living in South Carolina or Iowa or Kansas. Right. And, and, and the reality is people are all over the place now. So that's, that's, you know, I think geography is an interesting facet to this, but maybe the more interesting thing for me or the more, the bigger question that I have is, what are they benchmarking the CSM role as? Because I think there's still a lot of variability in our industry as to what a customer success manager is, and just because those three words are together does not mean that, you know, people at company A, B, and C and D all do the same job. Because I still think, especially if you look at the fact that fixed comp is only there, are 50% of people in this report that have a fixed comp structure, that to me screams that they're that they're company sees this as a support role still. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I
1: think that those are all really interesting insights, Jay, and I, I think you hit on a lot of good points. Um, there, is no, there is no kind of standard role scope, right? And so even if you think about, you could be a CSM, have the same title, but be on the scaled side of your business, right? And so maybe you're that one to many CSM and it's a different scope role than if you're a CSM supporting enterprise customers. And so the work that you're doing is very different. You'd be compensated dis- differently but maybe maintain the same title, right? Maybe they have not done a yeah. good job delineating based on that title. I think something else that's interesting just kind of looking at this and you're, you're both in, in positions where you're hiring, interviewing being part of that conversation. It, in all the interviewing that I do, very rarely do any of the females ever negotiate when we make an offer. Yeah. And so yeah. that's just like, there are some things, right? Like we could talk about industry standards and like what the companies are doing and, and what their comp structures look like and, and all of that stuff. But also like, I do feel like people got to take accountability for, for what they earn. And I, I just don't see women in the conversations that I have, and I interview a lot of women, right? Because I think that women often want to work for another woman sometimes. So I interview a lot of women, probably more so than men and never negotiation, right? Like never push back. Nobody who ever says, you know, yeah, you know what, that, that's just not, that's not going to work for me. I have people advanced through the entire process who don't ever talk about earning more and kind of what that growth looks like and what the plans are. for you like, there's just, there's not conversations around the earning potential and the negotiation isn't there, which do, is do, shocking. You think,
2: do you think that's because people are looking for jobs, not careers, and they're content to do this for, and I'm not saying that's women. I'm saying it's everybody, men, women, whatever you identify as. Is that, is that part of where we are here? Is this just turning into a job?
1: know I, I wouldn't think so because on the flip side I, I very rarely ever make an offer to someone who identifies as male who doesn't try to negotiate right even a little bit yeah. more or a different package so okay. it's, yeah. it's just I, i'm not seeing it like across the board that people just generally aren't negotiating and listen some women do i do i always negotiate right i'll always ask for something different more restructured let's get creative it's always my my message um but I don't see that often. I don't know if it's because people are scared that if they do negotiate, that the offer will be off the table, that if they don't feel like they're worth what they're asking for, but it's just, it's, that's just crazy to me. So I don't know if you guys are seeing something similar.
2: The gender thing doesn't explain it, but is it a matter of not being exposed to what the, what the possibilities are at that stage in these people's careers? Like, because I mean, you've seen it, right? You know what's possible to negotiate. You know that everything is negotiable, yeah. Um, right, and so you you take advantage of that as you go through the process. Um, I I wouldn't say I don't know. I I don't I don't actually do a lot of direct offer making because my my team is set. It's these guys that have to hire people and, and ladies uh, all the time. I do get to interview people, but I don't have to make the offers and negotiate them. So but I've done a lot yeah, of I'm sure past, people come and back and to you if back. they
1: need more money, right? If somebody on <laughs> your team wants to extend an offer and that person doesn't accept what's on the table and they want more, maybe you be yeah. Part of that. I, I, I don't
2: know. I don't see a difference in the men and the women in our business. I'll just uh, say well, that. That's that. Yeah. The um, awesome. the other
0: thing, I think the other thing that you were touching on too, Christy, that, um, and I think we, so we're looking at this slide, you know, that actually shows, I think what you were talking about earlier, Jay, kind of what yeah, what are it. they defining as like the customer success manager role or what are some of the responsibilities? And it shows things like adoption or QBRs or net renewals, churn, onboarding, gross renewals. So the, the thing that I've picked up, especially like you mentioned, Christy, over interviewing the past, I mean, really like four to six weeks I've been in interviews is that you, what you're looking at on the screen are all activities. And the one thing that we have to do better, a better job of as leaders is helping our teams understand how these activities map to business results to being and helping to architect a story. I can't tell you how many, how many um, resumes I've read over that it says like, "Oh, I hold you know quarterly QBRs with the top twenty-five customers in my book of business," and that is like inactivity, and, and we need to be doing those things, but like that doesn't actually show how that yeah. has impacted the business.
2: Were they good? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> yeah, they could have been.
1: Did people show up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So you know, I, so, you know, if you if you want a good, if you want to see a good example. Of how to do this, go look at you know search the top salespeople on LinkedIn and look at how they've written their their LinkedIn. Profile. That's basically everybody's resume now. I don't have a resume anymore, but like look at how they talk about their career, their their the outcomes. Of, it's good, right? Think about how you do that, and and tell a similar story for what you do for the business, not just the activity. To your point, I didn't mean to interrupt you there, Jeff
0: no 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 that's do good. i mean i think
2: yeah no i mean i think um at the end
0: of the day i think these these things are are good for the industry right they're helping us to bring data points they're helping us to um, get better insights and understand so um you know i think the, i think they'll be probably doing this for uh, a yearly initiative if i had to take a guess but everyone go check it out on catalyst.io
2: you know what you know what would be cool is if this wasn't vendor sponsored, but like it actually was a cross industry. So, and they've done a nice job. They do a nice job on everything they do, but it'd be nice if it was truly a cross industry thing facilitated by an objective third party as well. Yeah. Yep. Um,
0: all right. What's next on our? Uh, so, there's a, an article here that somebody dropped in. Who wants to talk about this uh amazon outage
1: that feels like
2: a j thing i dropped it in there <laughs> and well it here's here's the angle on it so i actually didn't realize this happening we were in it all day off site yesterday but um amazon's east coast data center had a major outage it
1: did.
2: like for five or six hours yesterday it so did. the yeah. impact the impact to SaaS companies is that uh You know, I'd venture to say, you know, 50 to 80% of the SaaS companies that I know of, at least, have some dependency on AWS for their product, right? Not, Not even, I mean, I'm sure there are tools that they use that are also dependent on AWS, but their product directly. So I'm guessing... That a lot of companies had outages yesterday for their customers in some form or fashion, um, if, if if they were hosting on the East Coast. So my question to you all is, what is the right way to go about talking to your customers about what happened when you have an, a dependency on a third party provider and that caused your outage? How, how do you do it? Did, so did y'all did y'all get impacted, Christy?
1: So we were not impacted, thankfully, but a ton of the things that I use were impacted. And so I will tell you, um, you know, just, I mean, my, my take on it and we'll, we'll dive into like all the details and of all the goodness that happened, but um, just to answer your question, I mean, listen, you gotta communicate early and often, right? I think that the worst thing you can do is stay silent and let people make assumptions yep. as to what's going on. And if you know that it's tied to AWS, great, get a message out there immediately to let people know what you're doing and update it as soon as you have additional information. Even if it's something with, you know, beyond your control as Amazon's pushing out updates. And of course we all know they are, right? Like you go to their site, they're going to tell you where the status is and what they're doing to triage. They got it resolved last night, but even like, you know, go go to their site, grab the updates, put it on your site. Let them know, here's what's happening. Here's what we're doing. Here's what's going on.
2: Yeah. Jeff, what do you think? I have one specific answer to this, but
0: Um, yeah, I mean, I think the, the thing that comes to mind or like where I think, um, I think generationally where we're going is a place where, um, people are connecting with brands more than ever, and they expect brands to have human interactions, so to speak. So like, I think, like Christy said, you can't This to figure out how to get it out in the head. But the reason why I say that is like, I think what, what the future generations are forcing us to do is to um, have an opinion and come out and talk about it openly in public. Like a lot of times I think people want to do these things, you know, like, Hey, skirt this under the rug. Hey, we kind of, you know, this, this might've happened, but you know, with social media, with like these future generations, they're forcing us to come out and say, Hey, we have an opinion and we have a side on this. We've got something that we need to to talk about. And so I think you need to like take that into account that, you know, we can't, kind of hide behind it or stay, stay silent. So I think you got to come out and, um, I've always, you know, I mean, very different scale, but you know, we've had some staff who's on Gingar before. And the approach that I always take is just, uh, use a, use a little humility, come out, you know, uh, say it directly what happened, talk about what you're going to try and do to improve it and, you know, try and reinforce the value that you're providing. And if you can do a formula, something a lot like that, like Christy said, kind of, uh, outward and open and, you know, in a regular cadence, then I think you're going to, you're going to weather the storm through it.
2: Yep. So the, the only thing I would add is that w- what you don't really want to do is say our, our partner has an outage, which is causing us to be down. Well, That's what you saying. chose your partner, right? Your partner is AWS. Like that was your decision. So you have control over it, right? You, you, you make those decisions fully understanding the risks. So I think the other, the other thing is like, own it fully. Yeah, I would say like, just, just be, just be real, uh, you know, take, take responsibility for it. I think people respond well to that when you do it, but interestingly, well, sorry, go ahead, Jeff. I was just going to say, and I think
0: along those same lines, right. Like you said, you, you, I mean, we were talking about ownership, right. Owning your career earlier. I mean, if you, if you have that, right, you've made this decision, you own it fully. Then the other thing you have to do is, you know, even though Amazon's a big, big company, AWS, they service probably hundreds of thousands. I don't know. Yeah million. They service, yeah. Over they mid- service a million customers. Six, so, you know, you are one of a million customers, but you still have an expectation of them. And so you need details. And that's the other thing that I think you can't skimp on is like, don't just assume, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm one of a million customers. They're never going to respond to me. They're not going to give me any details. Like you have to, like you said, you have to own that relationship. You have to have somebody in the organization that is responsible for reaching out and saying, hey, Amazon, what happened? What are you doing to improve it? And what does that mean for us? Like, how are we, how are we then going to insulate ourselves? How are we then going to think about the risk that we have going forward? Um, and maybe you've got a backup on a different, maybe you use a different network and you've got a backup on that can run if Amazon goes down. And now, you know, we've gone through this. Now we've got, you know, a different thing, but I think you just can't, I think you can't just skirt over it and just kind of assume, oh, I'm one of a million customers. I'll just take their, I'll just um, screenshot their Twitter post and put it in, you know, Hey, here, here's the response of what happened and you know, like <clears throat> we need some formal um, measures like what are they doing to improve it? How can we go reinforce to our customers, you know, how we're getting through this, what we expect of Amazon, and then how we're going to address it as well?
1: I think it's yeah. interesting to see the level of dependency. And obviously, listen, I'm not, yeah. I don't work in, I'm not my CTO, so I don't know all the details of, of how to manage these things. But like, is there, is there supposed to be a contingency plan or like a backup plan? Like, do you have alternative servers? Like, are you supposed to have something in place so that if one of these things goes down, that there's something else there to back it up? I don't know. I, I, Again, I don't have the answer. I don't know if that's a thing, but I guess my other thing would be, what are we going to do about it to avoid these things in the future, right? So it's great to address what's happening and even be open and transparent and own it. But like also, what is the plan so that we can avoid these types of things in the future?
2: Yeah, that's an it's an expensive strategy, I'll tell you, because- Yeah, like I
1: said, it's not my thing. It's not my budget. and well,
2: Me neither, luckily. Costly,
1: but I, I don't know like what, what organizations can do to to work around something like that, because- yeah. Truly, I mean, like your 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 business is in the hands of another organization. That that's tough.
2: Well, I mean, not to get too technical about it, but luckily it just happened in one region. So if you have the ability within Amazon even to fail over into another region, then then that can that can help. So, but this isn't a CTO podcast, so and I don't. <laughs> I think one thing that is interesting on here, an interesting stat in this article, is AWS based on their Q3. Revenue of sixteen point four billion in one quarter. Um, they make seven point four million dollars an hour. So imagine that run rate. Measured in seven
1: point four million dollars an hour.
0: Yes. Hmm. And they were out for like six hours. So that's like 40, $44 dollars. Wow, that was good math. Jeff. I was
1: just gonna say, Jeff. I'm I thought you didn't impressed. do that.
0: I don't do public math. You probably
1: made but, it up, Jay. We're like, and we just don't know because yeah, we're it was now. Close we're enough. Like any number, and I think I would have been like, "Wow." <laughs> um. You all
0: said right. It with confidence. All right. So the I think there's another. Well, actually, before as we go forward, there's something that's been on this document that we keep together that's been here for two weeks that I gotta I gotta ask about. Uh-huh. Jay, what is the twenty? What is the twenty-minute meeting idea and Parkinson's principle?
2: <laughs> uh, all right. So. Um, to sort of go back a little bit. We, didn't, didn't we talk about, uh, did we talk about working genius last week? We didn't. No. Oh, okay. All right. So we talked about the advantage though, or we've talked about it before. Patrick yeah. Lencioni, the book called the advantage. He also wrote the five dysfunctions of a team and ideal team player, several other books. We talk about Patrick Lencioni all the time on this podcast, just great management thinker, writer, uh, builder of frameworks. Um, so we did something called the working genius, which if you don't know about it, go look it up. It's just an, it's an assessment basically to to understand. It's a little bit like Myers-Briggs and some of these other personality profiles. Um, I'm not going to go into detail on that, but I was listening to their podcast. So Patrick Lencioni has a podcast called uh, the working genius podcast, which is a companion podcast to the table group podcast uh, at the table but I was listening to one of their episodes where they were talking about this idea of a 20 minute meeting and how, um, you know, we schedule meetings for like an hour or 30 minutes or longer to, to get something specific done. And at the end of the day, like what really happens, like what they described in this, in this podcast episode, and I think we've all experienced it, is when you're in crunch time and you have like 20 minutes, all of a sudden, and you have to get people together and make a quick decision, guess what happens? You make the decision, you get it done more quickly, right? And so um, it was just this whole idea of could we, especially given the environment that we're in now, right? Where we we're doing everything on Zoom, many companies have gone remote first. We're on Zoom all day, every day. Our team members are coming to us and saying, way too many meetings, like how do we get this under control? So the question is, what are you doing in an hour today that you could try to compress down into 20 minutes. Parkinson's principle says that the amount of work will expand or contract to fit the time allotted to it. So that's why I put that in there, but it's so true, right? I mean, if you have three weeks to get a presentation done, guess when you're getting it done over the next three weeks, right? A little by little. Um, So I don't know, this whole idea of, of how do we do 15, 10-20 10-20 minute meetings as opposed to with a very specific objective to make a very you know to get a decision made or exchange some information how could we do that and help our teams out and then train our teams on how to do that so that they um so that they can do this and have more enjoyable work days right because right now it's sort of a slog for everybody i have two thoughts but christy you go
0: first what do you what do you think about this this uh, idea of trying to to push for shorter meetings?
1: I love it. Um, I will say one of the things that, one of my favorite features in, in Gmail is actually the speedy meeting uh, functionality to, to reduce meetings to 25 minutes or 50 minutes instead of 30 minutes in an hour. And so all my meetings for the most part are 25 minutes, only very few, like my one-on-ones are an hour or, or 50 minutes rather, and like a few others. But for the most part, they all fall in 25 minutes. I will tell you, like, even, even just the idea of having five minutes less changes the behavior. Right. We spend less time at the beginning chit chatting and, and trying to oh catch up on stuff. It's like that. Just knowing that you have five less minutes, it moves us faster to having the conversation that we're there to have. So I love it. I think it's genius. Um, I'd like to only have 20 minute meetings. In fact, I'd only like to have 10 minute meetings if I could. So I think it's interesting.
0: I think that so I think uh, two thoughts. One is oh, even before I jump into that. Uh, I I love reading about like meetings and thinking about meeting structure and facilitation. Like I spend an order amount of time on it. It doesn't mean I go execute on everything I read, (laughs) but um, but the first thing that I think about is that Christy, what you brought up, like, I think if you made this push, I think the thing that your teams are going to come back. Okay. Well now we don't have time to talk about fantasy football in the first couple minutes of a meeting or like what Jay was doing over the weekend. So I think, I think if you push for this, right, you kind of got to figure out, okay, how am I going to help my teams make those types of connections, those kind of one off hand, you know, offhand comments like where do you kind of put that type of environment. The second thing, though, that I think about quite a bit too is um, just think about how if you went, if you spent time effectively training your teams on how to have the right meetings and get into the right meetings and get out of the wrong meetings. Like think about how much time you could save, think about how much more effective you could be. Like, I don't. I actually don't think we spend enough time training our teams. I think we spend too much time training our teams on um, things that come easily or that we think about, right? We train them on customer skills, we train them on the product. But then when you think about it, like how much time do we actually spend training about how to get things done effectively internally at our organization? We spend zero time doing that. Like I haven't had a meeting about how we should be conducting internal meetings or how we should be communicating with certain teams, right? Who should be in the meetings? Who shouldn't be in the meetings? Like just think about how that goes, right? And then all of a sudden you look in your calendar and you're like, why does this meeting have 14 people on it? Well, because we haven't trained our teams to figure out, okay, you know what? You don't actually need 14 people. You need three people to make the decision. Then you need to go inform 14 people through an email. Hey, we made this decision and here's the cascading communication that comes out of it. So I like agree with this. I, I think like the 20 minute principle, but how do you even just go further than that to say, uh, like how do you get into just getting into the right meetings and getting people out of the wrong meetings? I think you could spend a lot of time, you could you could get a lot of time back for your teams and it could solve the problem you were earlier, Jay, which is like everyone's in meeting bloat. Like we're in meetings every day. I mean, you probably do this right now, don't you, Jay? Like, do you, you probably go through your calendar and I'm, I'm going to attend this. I'm I, not going to attend that. I have,
2: I have been trying to go through my calendar and kill two or three meetings a week. either kill the meeting altogether or kill my attendance in the meeting if I'm not really needed to be there. Um, You know, I'll pop open a meeting and see it's 30 minutes and there's 14 people in it. And I'm like, "What, what could you actually accomplish? And if it's communication, then why aren't we writing that up and sending it around ahead of time and then getting Smaller meetings in there. If you, if you're, I think a lot of times people get stuck, right? And, and, and this is a real problem, like we got to solve it, but people get stuck and they don't know how to move a problem forward. So they're gonna gather as many people as they think might be able to help them or that they can hold accountable in public to, to getting a solution for something. And it, it's just, it's unproductive, right? At the end of the day, it's, it's sort of a waste of everyone's time. And then you multiply that times, we just talked about salary, right? you just look at the dollar signs on these meetings. It's like, come on, like, can we we do that? Can we be more effective? So I think there's a skill set that we all need to continue to develop um, from individual contributor all the way up to senior executive CEO is write it down. We say this all the time, write it down. Like if if you have a topic that needs to be discussed, a decision that needs to be made, messaging that needs to go out, write it down, put it in a document, Circulate it, get feedback asynchronously. We have all these tools, right? We have even if you use Microsoft Office these days, it's collaborative. We use Microsoft Office, much to my chagrin, but it's still collaborative, right? You've got people that can comment in there, and, and you can go back and forth. You can you can make a lot of progress if you just put your head down and work and write things down, collaborate with the tools that we have, and then get in the meeting to finalize it and look around the. Zoom call and say, okay, do we all agree on this? If you're making a decision, so the the other thing, the flip Jake, side, can I comment is, on
1: that though? Yeah. Uh-huh. So the big problem there is everyone's in meetings, so nobody has time to prepare for those meetings, right? So it's like this chicken yep. the egg thing. It's like people have so little time free in their calendar to do the work that we were hired to do, which I think is crazy. But to do yeah. what you just suggested requires time to prepare. And it's burning people
2: out. It's burning people out. So here's what I do. And I suggest it to to all my team members and we'll suggest it to everybody is I have a block in my calendar that nobody can mess with. We're actually messing with it right now, just to be honest. But like I, it's pretty much my sacred time and I don't schedule over it every single day, two hours. And I think everybody should, everybody should feel good about doing that. I used to share my calendar openly. I used to think that was I still do like sharing my calendar openly so people can see what I'm working on. If they want to calendar surf, they can calendar surf. But I stopped doing that because I don't want people to see this block on my calendar and be like, oh, that's just his working time. I can go schedule over that. Not going to happen, right? So I got to protect that for myself so that at five or six, whenever I shut down, I can actually go have dinner with my family and hang out. And I don't have all my work piled up at the end of the day. Now, that doesn't mean that doesn't still pile up. But I know when I have a chance to do it, it's tomorrow morning right? If I do have stuff piling up. So I recommend that to people too. It, it goes back to Christy, to your point. Like
0: the thing that I think about all the time is that we jam meetings in this week. Oh, I'll get a meeting tomorrow, Thursday, right? It's Wednesday right now. Hey Jay, I'm going to, I'm going to grab 30 minutes on your calendar for Friday. Why am I doing that? Because I think it's a priority right now. It's an issue of prioritization, right? Actually, the thing I need to talk to Jay about isn't really a priority. So we could push it out to next week or the week after. It's just that in the moment, I feel like it is. So I'm just going to jam a meeting in for 30 minutes and then I have no content. We walk into a call and then we just gab back and forth for 30 minutes. And then I have to go, then go write up something that I should have written up in the first place to start the meeting and should have pushed the meeting to next week. And like, just like you said, yeah, I think it has a cascading effect too.
1: Yeah. I'm with Jay though on a, the time blocks. I don't do the two hours at the same time every day. I have much larger windows. I do like three plus hours because I just need more time to do deeper work for me to focus, uh, yeah. right? But I only do those three days a week. So I do it like every other day. So I leave Tuesdays and Thursdays as full days to do whatever the business needs me to do. But my Monday, Wednesday, Fridays have sacred holds. I do make it public and open to everybody, but it's very clear. Like I, What I do is it says block hold for deep work, do not book over. And then when I actually know what I'm using that time to do, I actually fill it in. So my team can see the projects and the work that I'm focused on during that time, just to increase that level of transparency.
0: The the other thing that I've been doing, and then we'll close out and move on because I think there's another interesting topic um, to hit on before we get off, is um, I've realized myself, right? I think sometimes people take accountability for themselves or think about, I've realized that if I'm in a meeting past like 3 p.m., I am pretty bad. Yeah, I'm not focused. I can't bring energy to the to the meeting. I can't do the things that I think I actually contribute to a meeting. So I started blocking towards the end of my day, probably like a good 60 to 90 minute block because I'm just not effective at that time. And so if you're booking a meeting, you know, if you're trying to book a meeting with me, I'd, I'd much rather it be like from nine to 3 PM, because I know that I can show up. I can bring energy. I can be more focused. I like have just learned this. And so like, I also think like, Hey, think about yourself. What's your working style? Like if you feel like you can't get into me, I mean, you can't, we can't all be personalized, right? We can't uh, do this for every little thing, but try and try and the majority of the time, try and make it like that. Um,
1: And Jeff, you're not the only one that is like that. There was actually a study done that says that people are more productive in the earlier hours of their day. Um, The challenge of that comes with global teams. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, um, I'm shutting it down from uh, from four to five thirty. Sorry guys. Uh well when you're working across <laughs> across the world, right? Like these these things make it a little tricky, but I'm with you though. I, I try to do things earlier in the day.
0: Hello, Ganger This is Jeff. You might be listening to the show today for many reasons. Maybe you're looking to learn something new, maybe you're looking to listen to a speaker that you love, or maybe you're driving and the co-pilot has control of the radio. Whatever the case is, I wanted to tell you about. HubSpot's CRM platform and some new pieces that improve the customer experience. First, customer intelligence tools that help your teams get real-time insight into calls through automatic recording, transcription, and analysis. Think about the types of conversations and coaching that you can do with your customer teams. Next is easy share meeting links, which let your customers see availability and book meetings with you all from the HubSpot platform. The last improved data hygiene. And that always is needed in a CRM platform. So learn more about how you can transform your customer experience with a HubSpot CRM platform at HubSpot.com. Yeah. All right. The last one, just to hit on real quick, because I think we are coming off of an offsite um, that we did for two days. And then, Christy, it seems like you are planning an offsite for your team. Is next so week. Yeah. So I thought it would be fun just to talk a little bit about maybe how you're thinking about that, Christy. And we can give you some maybe some thoughts about how we. We ran ours. Uh, we did ours. Uh, we had a couple of people virtual. We had um, about six or seven of us in a in a hotel ballroom. Um, so we had like a little bit of both. Uh, so I think we can we can maybe give you some tips or some feedback. So talk talk us through. What are you thinking about yours, Christy, in terms of your your offsite?
1: Okay, so sadly, because we did not budget it in advance, right, I just joined this year, so I didn't get to ask for money to do these types of things. Um, So we decided to do it virtually because we are bringing a whole team together for CS100, so that's just in February, so I'll see everybody soon. So we're doing three days. Uh, It will all be virtual because our whole team is remote. Um, What I've decided on is five hours a day because I just don't think that I'm going to be able to keep and maintain everyone's time and attention and energy for beyond that. And it gives people some time in the morning and some time in the afternoon to do other things as well as a break in between. So I've broken up my, my three days into three kind of thematic frameworks. Uh, day one is all about the employee, right? So we're going to cover everything from our purpose, our mission, our vision. We're going to talk about career paths. Um, we did a, I preparing and sending out today a pretty comprehensive survey that I'm going to ask everyone in the organization to fill out um, anonymously and then we're going to use that data and kind of present that back to the team so we can talk about how everyone's feeling, what the vision is, like just get all the interesting things that will come out of that. The second day is all about our customers and so it's everything from defining what successful customers look like. We're going to talk about the the functions. So customer success, how do you contribute to driving these successful customers forward for support? How do you contribute to driving these successful customers forward? Consulting, right? So we've got some individual breakouts there. Then we're going to do some product and CX alignment, because obviously those two teams working closely together uh, will hopefully contribute to customer success long-term. And then day three for us is how do we execute, right? So like we've talked about all this great stuff, whether it's us as employees, it's, it's us as a team for our customers showing up. But now what are the things that we need to do to go and make everything we've talked about a reality? So we're going to talk about, you know, customer enablement as a, as a core theme for us, employee enablement, and so developing the skills and ongoing. Um, we've got some customer success programs that we're launching this year. So specific, we've got five core ones that we think are going to be really game changers for us and how we we show up for our customers on a regular basis. And then we're kind of wrapping up with, a. we've got Dave in there too. So Dave, Dave Blake, our CEO will join and and kind of do his thing during a working lunch there and then our last thing is we're we're wrapping up with a measuring what matters so I want to make sure that the team all understands great we talked about all this stuff we've got our our plan and our map how are we going to measure that all the things that we are doing are having the right impact to us as individuals to our success in the company and then to our customers so we're wrapping up with the just how are, we gonna, how are we visually going to measure and manage all the things that we just talked about? And then we're wrapping up. So that's how I've broken down the day. Um, the feedback from the team is like, that seems awesome, right? And I think that they like that there is a full day committed to them, that there is a full day committed to our customers. And then there's a full day committed to like our execution.
2: Is it top to bottom, like leaders all the way to individual contributors in this offsite? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, so for, for this, it's for the C I should have, I should have specified. So this is for my organization. So it's success, support and consulting. So it's my three teams and then we'll bring in cross-functional teams where it's appropriate. Um, I'm making the, the entire three days open to anybody in the organization who sees a topic that wants to join, even just to listen in. Um, I just want to have that level of openness. Uh, there's nothing we're talking about that I don't think anyone shouldn't see or hear. Um, and then, like I said, we're bringing in certain leaders to contribute. So product, Dave, um, I am marketing, so I will contribute from that, put on that hat. Um, and then we'll bring in sales where that's relevant also, um, especially in the, the defining and designing and talking about successful customers and what that looks like, as well as our programs that we'll execute. We want sales to kind of hear about what we're planning to do in the new year.
2: And consulting for you all is onboarding and implementation?
1: No, I wish it was. Um, So our customer success team manages our entire lifecycle. So onboarding through retention. Our consulting team is either um, available for premium service. So you need somebody to go and do the work for you, build, build, to optimize things like that um or they're working on special technical projects where we might just you know bring them into conversations so things like your integrations with your crm advancing some of the use cases there stuff like that so uh, there yeah. are instances where you can pay for services and there's instances where we will um bring them into the conversations just to help advance technical discussions
0: i have two i have two suggestions
1: okay let's go
0: um these are just things that I, I thought about as you were going. So I think one is um, potentially sending like ahead of time, sending almost like this manifesto, like what do you expect of the team members walking into the meetings? Like sometimes I think we don't put the expectations on that say like, Hey, you know, we kind of say the normal stuff, like, Hey, you come and you're going to be on Zoom and we need you to have your video on. And we say that the basics, but like hey, we want you to bring energy. Um, We'd love for you to contribute. If you feel comfortable, like we want you to contribute in this way. If you don't feel comfortable, can you send me an email or can you send me a message that I can speak up for you? Like, But how do you kind of like set the expectations for the employee, like walking into the room? Like we want you, like this is the way we want people to go. And like, this is how we expect. But I think like sending an email like that or a a little manifesto is what I keep thinking about. But like, hey, this is what we want you to do. We kind of did it for our, I'm thinking about our Ganga facilitation document that we have. And it's like, things that you wouldn't think about, but it's like, Hey, you know, how do you bring energy and show up? How do you make sure and smile? How do you make sure you introduce like, Say hi to everyone in the room. Like, so just little things like that. that. down.
1: today. The other that. thing, that, the, the other
0: thing uh, that I thought about too, was how can you, you know, you, like you said, you've got kind of five hours and you're thinking about people on zoom. So how can you catch people off in a good catch people off guard in a good way? So like, uh, I don't know in the, Hey, we're going to take a break. And for, for the break right now, what I want everyone to do is like, Um, I want you to get up from your desk and if you, you know, if you can, I want everyone to go walk around the block for five minutes or do some, I don't know, like, how do you just catch people off guard where it's like, Hey, we're all going to go do this. We're all going to go do something virtually. We're going to get away from our desk. We're going to like, how do you, or ask a question? I don't know, but I'm just trying to think like, how do you catch people off guard in like the five hours that you have? Cause I imagine you've got breaks and things, but how do you make the breaks? Not just, Hey, go grab a cup of coffee, but like, how can you kind of catch people off guard? So those are two things that I thought about. I love the
1: first one. I'm interested in the second one
2: can i make one adjustment to your first suggestion it's a little nitpick, but i think it's really don't so i would also set the expectation that i'm not going to speak for you you are going to speak yourself right like yeah and we need you to speak up it might not be something you're necessarily comfortable with but expect that i will call on you at some point during the meeting because i need to know you're engaged and because we're all going to be doing this virtually um, I, I want to make sure I'm giving everybody a fair chance to get their opinions heard. So that my only nit in what you said, Jeff. But I think yeah. that's so important for us as leaders too, is to pull people out a little bit of their comfort zone and get them to express themselves and contribute. Because some people, and this is where the personality profiles come into play, will literally sit on a five-hour Zoom call. They will listen intently. They will take notes. You will never know what they're thinking but it's a missed opportunity. So anyway, I would just encourage you to like call people out and ask them to speak up. Sometimes we do it on the back channel. It's like, hey, like somebody will email me or shoot me a Teams message or a Slack message during a meeting. And they'll say, they'll express their opinion to me directly during a, you know, four or five, six person meeting. And I'm like, say it out loud. (laughs) Good point, say it, right? Anyway,
0: Jay actually does this during meetings too, where if, multiple people have spoken around the room and you haven't spoken up yet he will message you and say I need you like I need you in this meeting like need you to say something need you to jump in like you need like we need your opinion in the room like we need you to like to jump in so sometimes it makes
2: me look like an ass like yesterday in the meeting somebody was on their computer typing what or like looking at something while we were having a discussion and I tapped him on the back I was like hey need you in the discussion (laughs) this was in person and he was like, "I'm, I'm all in. I just was looking this up, and I was like, okay, I'm sorry, like that's great, like let's go." But it, it I was just making sure, right? Like, there's so.
1: Yeah, but I love your thing I do practice the active engagement. And so that's something I'm very comfortable with is we do call on people, but not even calling on people to call them out, but we kind of go like our team is small, so we can kind of go round robin on things. So when we do have topics, everyone has to contribute because we kind of go around the horn and make sure that everyone's contributing their thoughts and feedback in a meaningful way. So I'm a, I'm excited about that. I love the idea of this manifesto and I'll run with that name, Jeff, since you, you named it that, and that's what I'll call it. And that's what it will be. So uh, I like that. And they catching people off guard. Uh, I'm going to think about how I can creatively do that. I don't know that everyone's going to be able to go for a walk. Let's go. People for big blocks. I mean, my walk would be quick, but I can't assume that somebody else's walk would be equally quick.
2: Can, can you send them a DoorDash, like a $20 DoorDash credit?
1: doing things for food and stuff. Like oh, okay. All right. Can all right. you stop?
2: sorry we're giving away this all this will come out, out after your thing anyway probably
1: <laughs> what's that
2: this will come out after this'll your come out. Okay. um well I, I do like you
1: all about it i am gonna share my agenda and the descriptions with the community just so that again just full transparency just helping other teams ideate on like what what folks are covering i did a, a quick quick synopsis on LinkedIn. And I had a bunch of people telling me like, Hey, I screenshotted that. Like, can you do, can you elaborate more? Like what else are you talking about? What are you covering? So um, I'll share that. And then I'll, I'll share any other additional materials that we create for the meeting that aren't.
2: That's good. Proprietary.
0: Yeah. Love it. I like your themes by the way. Thank you. Employees, customers. And then and I started
1: with the employees intentionally.
2: Excuse yeah. Uh, we, um, in our offsite this week, we, so we had done an executive team offsite a few weeks back and sort of laid the groundwork. And again, we follow the advantage for our, like our, just our management st- structure and operational pieces. And I'm happy to talk ad nauseum about that. But um, so we took the input from that and then we broke it down into like what we're doing with our customers in the different markets that we serve. So one of the things that worked really well for us in this one is that we, had specific people on the team who are responsible for different parts of responsible for different segments of business, not just different functions. They put together like a top to bottom, almost like an internal QBR. In fact, it is our first draft of our internal QBR that we used to to do this, but they put together a state of the business, the state of the customer. What are the key challenges? Who are the key competitors? Uh, What are the top product needs? Um, Where have we seen churn? Where do we have key renewals coming up in the next year? Uh, how are those spaced out? What are the key issues and elements we need to be working on to make sure that those go out? Well? And, and it was just it, all the prep work that went into laying all that out was it made those meetings very, I thought very productive, um, insightful. And I heard my team. And so my, my team, Jeff is on my team, but you, you've got support leader, you've got implementation leader. We've got our strategic services we got our professional services leader. Um, and customer success leaders all talking the same language. And I saw more collaboration, like let's talk about the customers in the business. And then it's not so much about the functions anymore. And so it went really well because of all that, uh, all the prep work that went into it. So we also did the working genius, which I was geeked out about as a team.
0: I agree. I think it went well. I think we had a good, there's a good mix of, um, like data and content, it was good qualitative versus we had quantitative, we had qualitative, we had points to kind of open up discussion. We had not like key decisions, right? But we had some area and some space to ideate on things and kind of get some ideas out there that we can then go pull more data for or go make decisions in smaller groups in the future. So it was good. But I, I'm, I'm excited to see how yours goes virtually, Christy, because I think that's going to be a lot. I mean, you know, I think we have seen this before and I, we've tried to run virtual meetings and whatnot. So, any, any tips and tricks and things you f- figure out about how to keep people engaged and the content and everything? I think it's going to be really valuable.
1: I know. I totally wish it was in person and that we didn't have to do this, but it's the world that we live in. And so we will all adjust accordingly.
0: Yep. All right. Does that wrap us up for today? <laughs> we hit a lot of ground. <laughs> uh, last, the last only part. thing I would
1: call out, what about, I, I did want to just highlight one company because I, I mean, I just thought it was super cool. Heap. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Heap. Yeah. Did add them to our doc. 110 million in their series d i thought that was pretty impressive i mean i know that a lot of companies are are doing some big rounds of raising but that was interesting in the space that they operate so i don't know if you guys saw
2: that just for everyone's identification heap is like mixed panel uh like product analytics right it's in that category
1: yeah so they basically it's like yeah it's the how people are engaging with their site and it could be your product and it could be um your website right so it's like sorry, yeah focus on conversion optimization right like how do you make sure that users are using your product or your website the way that they are that it's intended and then finding those points of failure and helping you optimize against it.
2: Yeah yeah do they do anything like they do in product analytics do they a lot of these companies are doing like a in-app guided experience as well like Pendo does that.
1: Is yeah, that- I don't know. I don't know if they're playing in that space or if it's yeah. just all, you know, it's for the, for your purposes of just kind of seeing that. And I don't know if it's customer facing, okay. um, but I thought, I thought that was really interesting just because I don't know. Like, I think that product is pretty interesting. It's all about the user experience. Right. And so how, finding all the data to support how you make those experiences better. About those.
0: Love the, exactly. love the company. I've seen it. Um, I have one knit on your LinkedIn page. You're when you click like contact or when you click the button, it just leads you to a sales page. It's like, I don't know if that's the best experience.
1: Uh, So it says it would have otherwise said like, learn more. Is that what you were hoping it would have been like a learn more?
0: Oh yeah. Or like drop me on a landing page about what you actually do and what problems you solve or like how I, you know, how you do something for me. And instead it's just to a sales form that I don't know. Wow. You know, odd experience but maybe
1: company. like the company their I've, tool I've then on the on the website then to go and optimize that point of failure <laughs> for
2: you jeff maybe with 110 million dollars they can get figure that out that,
1: that's how they're going to use that money is to go fix that yeah. button so that jeff has a better experience and go learn about sorry. that product i'm sorry I like the to you know product. you know
2: that well we could get on a whole rant about this they're just <laughs> they're, they're 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 measuring I'm, I'm guessing they're measuring mqls and sqls and they're just hungry for as many email addresses as they can get. And that's a lead. So, all right. I got to go get a cup of
0: coffee before my next meeting.
1: Go walk around the block, Jeff. (laughs) Walk around the block. Yeah.
0: Good to see everybody.
2: Yep. Good to see you too.
1: All right, guys. Have a great
2: day. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, thanks so much for taking the time to listen to the Gain, Grow, Retain podcast. If you liked what you heard, please take a moment and share the podcast with your friends and colleagues and subscribe. We really appreciate it. Talk to you soon.